So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Coming to you live and in color from uh, the great state of Tennessee. I'm your good friend, Nate, here with uh, my good friend, our good friend, David Hampton. Uh, You know, we're a little farther apart than we were a few months ago, David. Yeah, yeah. But not as far as uh, Florida. (laughs) Not as far as Florida. But I have not moved back into Franklin. Right. I drove up into Frank. It takes me an hour to get there now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was, it felt like I was going to the big city. (laughs) It it really did. I have, I have adjusted quickly to life in Mount Pleasant. Life in Hooterville. Oh, and it is, it is kind of Hooterville here. It's, uh, but it's a, it's a wonderful little town, but it is rural and it is slow. Yeah. Uh, and it has, has a personality all of its own. I it, thank God it's got a coffee shop I can walk to. There you go. Good coffee. Yeah. Do they have Wi-Fi uh, at the coffee shop? Of course they have Wi-Fi. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, I just wanted to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did want to be well, presumptuous. And, and I can go across the street and I can get a sandwich at the combination deli pharmacy gun store. <laughs> so I can I can buy a gun, have uh, a sandwich, and pick up my antidepressant all in the same all, place, all in one stop, man. God, it's, that's just it's a, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do they have bait like live bait as well? No, no, no. Oh, okay, no just bait. just but, guns and sandwiches and prescriptions. Okay. Yeah, and ammo. And then racks and racks okay. of ammo, and then guns hanging on the wall. Nice. All right. That's right. And then uh, the pharmacy. So, yeah. Uh, well, but I, you know what? I, I still feel very connected to the world because even though I'm out here in Hooterville, I am uh, tied into the World Wide Web. Um, and you know, my grandkids who live right up the street, they come down, uh, they've got this small town life, but they also have their screens. Yeah. Um, they've got iPads. They just got new phones. Now my daughter has put a lot of restrictions on those phones, mm-hmm. try to keep them as safe as possible, but they've mm-hmm. got screens. Yeah. Um, and it seems to me as though my grandkids are spending more time indoors than I did at their age. It seems like I was, you mm. know, summer vacation just started 
And when I was a kid, that was, you know, that was when you got out of jail. Yeah. And you, right. You got up in the morning, you got out. And, On the bike, off to the creek. Oh, yeah. 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 Into the big wide world. They're doing some of that, but they're also spending a hell of a lot of time with the video games and the screens and the chats and the all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It raises, uh, in my mind, a little bit of concern. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, of well, course... Yeah. It's, and, it's remarkable too. You know, my grandsons are three and a half and two mm. and, um, and, and Nate, I left my phone. Um, uh, I was sitting with the, I was with the boys, uh, uh a weekend ago and yeah. left my phone, uh, on the coffee table there and they know how to get into your phone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, really? they know the buttons to, you know, like they don't know yeah, my yeah. code, you know, my uh, yeah. passcode, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but they know once they get it open, they Papa press that button. No, Papa, this button, play me the video, Papa, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, like yeah. just, it's, it's as normal a piece of uh, their lives as, you know, having a refrigerator, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's a new reality. Uh, it's a new world and it requires uh, adaptation and adjustment for those of us who are committed to living life in the present and a life of sobriety. Mm. Uh, and uh, we have found a guest who will talk to us a little bit this week about uh, the obstacles, the challenges, the strategies uh, that, that, that work to help us stay sane and centered yeah. in today's highly technological world. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back with our guest in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And our guest today is uh, coming to us from Kennewick, Washington, which I'm, I'm just now learning is a, a desert <laughs> in Washington state that none of us knew existed, I guess, unless we lived in, in Kennewick, Washington. But our guest is Marcus Spar. And Marcus is a, uh, a therapist, a men's coach, and he's doing some interesting things with respect to technology and dependency on technology and all of that. And, um, and that's something that we've talked a little bit more about recently. And we wanted to get uh, someone with us who can talk to us about ways that they're helping people, uh, particularly men. And I think Mark Marcus's case, um, manage our relationship to our technology. We all, you know, technology is here to stay and we're all going to have to pet the dragon every day, but it doesn't have to take off with us and uh, eat us alive. And some of us uh, were having problems with that. So Marcus, welcome to the pod Positive Sobriety Podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. If you have a, a background in recovery of your own and how you uh, landed in the work you're doing. Yeah. So my <laughs> my experience in recovery has been mostly life experience. Uh. I, uh, from a very young age, learned from my family to cope with my feelings with food. Uh -huh. And then at a young age, I was introduced to pornography. And uh -huh. during the, oh, the upset of hormones that came around with pornography because of some bullying that I was experiencing, uh -huh. um, I 
I just, I turned to a porn addiction as a means to feel better, to cope with what life was bringing my way. Mm -hmm. And also technology, because I'm a gamer. I grew up with video games. I had the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Ah, okay. Also had the Atari, like, way back in the day. I'm I'm 38 years old, so I'm an older millennial. Okay. Um, though oftentimes I don't associate myself with a millennial, but a lot of people like to put me in that box anyways. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, so I, I had a lot of ways to just kind of drown out my own feelings. Okay. And I wrestled with these issues for over 20 years before I started getting a handle. Wow. Man. And Yeah, and coming into my own area of recovery, it started with uh, joining a pure desire group at a friend's church and then subsequently leading a men's recovery group at my previous church. And I did that for four years. And now I'm over a year of having my own business as a men's recovery coach, just helping men mm-hmm. with overcoming whatever their hangups are and mm-hmm. just getting into the why question. Why mm-hmm. do we turn to this behavior? Mm-hmm. What's it trying to do for us? And then how can we get it met in a healthier way instead of turning back to this unhealth? Right, right. So when did you know uh, yourself, Marcus, that you were, um, potentially uh, kind of in over your head with respect to porn, gaming, um, you know, were, were, was everything just running off with you? You were, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it was a pretty big time suck for you to be, you know, uh, engaged in all those things. How did you know things were out of control for you? Well, it wasn't until later that I recognized that things were out of control, mm-hmm. um, especially with terms of technology, because for me, gaming and technology, they were just some of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my parents would uh, force me and my twin brother actually to participate in sports every single quarter when we were in middle school, just so that we wouldn't come home and play video games all day. Uh, okay. It was it was our favorite pastime. Mm-hmm. We love the fantasy. We love the adventures, mm-hmm. the challenge. And um, when, when I started wanting to avoid like things that I needed to do, like, I mean, I've lost sleep. I've lost, I've forgotten about meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, my identity started to show up within how good I was at this, this hobby, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when it's like, okay, something's not great here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am planning while I'm at work, I'm thinking about what games I want to play. I'm thinking about uh, what I'm going to do to pass the time. I'm not having fun. So I'm already planning how to engage myself later on and treat myself, so to speak, mm-hmm. just like pretty much any kind of addiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, if I had a bad day at work, I was planning what kind of pornography I was going to search for. And then as soon as I got done with that, I'd sit down and I'd play games for a couple hours, mm-hmm. and, you know, missing out on, you know, cooking dinner or uh, just throw something together that wasn't really the healthiest or you mm-hmm. just go drive through somewhere. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the healthiest yeah. thing. Yeah, in order to get to game, you were willing to pretty much give up even just normal uh, 
life sustaining stuff if some you know to some extent so exactly what do you think you were or have you come to any conclusions about what you were trying not to feel or what you were avoiding uh by just immersing yourself in this kind of alternate you know whether it was porn or games or whatever you're sort of in an alternate universe by that at that point yeah and that's a great way to put it because my parents claimed for a long time that I was, my head was always in its own fantasy world Mm. and I was escaping from my own reality Mm -hmm. because my reality sucked. Mm -hmm. Uh, As, as I mentioned earlier, I have a twin brother. Mm -hmm. And so we have, uh, we had a very strong bond with each other. And when we were in middle school, um, that bond was severed mm. and we've, we've yet to really, uh, rebuild what we had. And maybe that's even the, the healthiest thing not to have <laughs> the bond that we had before mm. mm-hmm. yet at the same time, I lost my closest friend mm. and I was bullied mm-hmm. for years. I was called every single homophobic name in the book because mm. I was the only boy that had long hair when I was in middle school. Oh, wow. As soon as my twin brother cut his hair in the sixth grade, I was the only boy in the entire school that had long hair. And so mm-hmm. that put a target on me. And so mm-hmm. just for being myself, I was not accepted. Uh, I was not loved. I was not affirmed. I wasn't appreciated. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I turned to in terms of my previous porn use, in terms of my compulsive gaming and even just food were trying to run away from these feelings of rejection, of neglect, of unacceptance, of not feeling like I was valued. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing when you are engaging with technology, there are so many things that you can find Mm -hmm. that are going to give you the exact opposite message of what you're feeling. Mm. I mean, there's, it's so funny before this, I just received an email from uh, another therapist where he was talking about big Al and Al standing for the algorithm. Uh, And that's one of the things about technology is it uses an algorithm to figure out what it is that you're searching for, uh what it is you're spending time looking at. And then it just keeps serving it up more and more and more. So you continue to be engaged. Uh And so for me, there's very specific things that I would be searching for. And the internet is like, Hey, Marcus over here really likes this. Well, now we're going to start popping up ads Uh and suggested articles and readings in order to keep him stuck here. And I could lose hours and not even realize it. Right. Right. It's at some point, it just is a rabbit hole of time uh, and uh, you're, you're sort of in it. And then you uh, you kind of uh, come to the, come to the end of yourself in whatever way that is. And, realize that three hours went by and you were only going to be there 15 minutes or something, I guess. Exactly. And that's how it gets you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so did you, um, did you have to come to some uh, strong, what might feel like extreme measures 
when you first uh, broke away from your using uh, a technology as a as an escape, because um, you know, obviously, you know, you're you're here with me on technology, <laughs> using technology to do this, you know. So we're obviously friendly enough with it that you know you can you can manage your life day to day. But but what initially did you need to do to 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 sever that pattern and break those those um, kind of neural pathways that were taking you into this. Yeah. And this is a real roundabout story for me because technology was not my first area of recovery. It mm-hmm. was the pornography. Okay. Uh, because my, I, within the first year of my marriage, uh, my, my wife caught me using pornography mm. and I almost ruined our marriage just within the first year. Mm. And so that was a more important thing mm-hmm. for us to focus on. And like, even my wife enjoys video games. She enjoys watching me play. Okay. Um, and so there's certain games we'll play together. There's uh, certain like shows and movies and things like that that we share. Mm-hmm. Though I am still the one who plays games more. Um, a lot of times it's like, I want to share this story with you. And so it's something that we can actually do together. Mm-hmm. But the pornography was something where it's like, this is going to destroy our marriage. Let's try and get some work on this. And uh, in typical recovery fashion, in I stopped turning towards pornography. I'm one of those people that as like the very first day I showed up to this pure desire group, I, I stopped. I just completely gave up porn and masturbation. I've never gone back. It's been almost seven years. Wow. However, my food consumption and gaming increased in order to compensate Ah, for that because (laughs) I still wasn't addressing the feelings inside of me. Right. And, uh, that was the big key was I had to start doing the work to figure out what is it that this is trying to do for me. Uh-huh. It's making me feel like I'm accomplishing something. It's something that is affirming my identity where it's like, I'm good at this because, uh-huh. oh man, my self-esteem has been shot for over two decades. And this was something where it's like, I'm good at this. And then guess what? When the game doesn't go the way I want to, I get angry. And Mm. it's like, it's just reaffirming this whole pattern that, okay, maybe I'm not really as good as I think I am. Uh And on, on top of that, I'm still, I'm still not addressing what's going on inside me. This Uh need to be affirmed, this need to be valued Uh and I'm getting it through superficial means. Uh And that's something we can, we can address uh, now or later, but there's a lot that technology does in order to give us that sense that we are, we're getting our needs met when it's actually not. Doing yeah. So. <laughs> talk, talk about that a little bit. Um, let's, uh, I'd love for you to go into that maybe right here. Uh, if you, if you feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things about technology especially in the modern day with the smartphones and tablets and our modern computers is the technology is incredibly needy. Uh I I think that's the best way to describe it Uh because the big tech companies and social media moguls have specifically designed 
aspects of our experience to keep drawing our attention. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're on some kind of social media platform Mm -hmm. and you get off of it for a while and something new happens, there's a reason why it shows up as a red dot. Mm. Red grabs our attention Mm -hmm. more so than any other color. Mm -hmm. It feeds into uh, what is becoming known as FOMO. Uh or fear of missing out. Right. You feel like you're going to miss out on something, and so you have these notifications turned on so you don't miss out on something. Uh And so it's constantly drawing you back. Every single app, when you download it onto your computer or you download it onto your phone, it automatically is downloaded to get your attention with any means that it possibly can, it's going to pop up on your home screen. It's going to vibrate your phone. It's going to utilize your notification. Uh And so it's constantly trying to draw you back with these reminders. Hey, you haven't been here in a while. Uh If you're playing games on there, Hey, you used up all your energy. Well, now it's all back. Come on back in so you can keep playing. Uh And it's feeding into this reward cycle. Uh that is just so ingrained within us. We feel like we're connected. We feel like we are um, actually doing something that is of value Uh because, oh, when you're interacting with these, you know, there's certain sound effects, there's certain graphics and uh, visual cues that just light up your system Uh and make it so you get a little hit of dopamine Uh whenever whenever something like this happens. So you want to keep coming back. It feels good. Yeah. And then they keep having you come back because it takes you longer to get that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and now I'm operating on this deficit. Hey, guess what? It's been three days since I got that last achievement. I really want to get that again. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's a trap. It really turns into a trap mm-hmm. because they want you to keep coming back. Yeah. Well, how common is it? Um, in your area, Marcus, where you're seeing people, um, and, and maybe in yourself, uh, as well, when you were really, um, you know, active in your, in your addiction, how, how prevalent is depression? Because I've got probably four guys right now, clients that are between 19 and 25, um, almost the same story. I mean, it's like with each of them, it's almost, they're paralleling one another. They, um, they, they got immersed in gaming at school. They could not pull up out of that. Um, depression was setting in at the same time and we're still playing chicken and egg with, you know, which <laughs> was doing, which came first. Um, but you know, there was, there was acute depression the gaming and the isolation and the social media was about the only thing they had the energy to do after months of time, uh, failing mm-hmm. classes. And and each of them left school without notifying their parents and just showed up back home. It's almost like they read the same script. Um, yeah. And and so they're they're back home. Um, they've they've not you know been successful in in that year of of school. Um, they are depressed. Um, they're disconnected from individuals and certainly friends and, and found that, you know, they, they really didn't have the friends they thought they had when they were at school, which made gaming and porn and all this other stuff easier to just immerse themselves in. But, 
But at the end of the day, you know, uh, what what we were finding is that we've got to even address this depression and this lack of connection um, as well as what we're going to do with, you know, the technology. How how common is all that? It is very common. I mean, there's a reason why what I just shared fits the script of four of your clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, I suffered from depression for years because of the bullying that I experienced in school where I didn't feel like I was accepted. I was even bullied some by my own family. Mm -hmm. And then my parents were divorced when I was a freshman in high school. Mm. And my depression, I mean, it went to suicide ideation Mm. at that point. Uh And I turned to my gaming and my technology as one of the biggest ways for me to cope. And on top of that, by this time, we did have personal computers in our house. So technology and porn became synonymous with each other Mm -hmm. as well. And the, the really depressing thing about it is because we are suffering from this depression because we don't feel like we have a connection with these people, mm-hmm. especially with those who have grown up with social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people would be surprised where it's like, yeah, I'm an older millennial, but we didn't have social media until I was in like high school. Yeah. I didn't have my, we didn't have a personal computer until I was in middle school. And mm-hmm. then even then we didn't have internet until a little later on. And then it was the dial up internet that took forever for you to connect and no <laughs> one could use the phone afterward. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, but there are so many people, so many who are of the uh, Gen Z where this is the only way that they've known how to connect. Mm-hmm. They don't pick up a phone and call someone. Mm-hmm. They send a text mm-hmm. or they send a message through uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. I guess most most Gen Zers aren't using Facebook. I'm, I'm dating myself now. Uh, but like uh, Snapchat and those kind of methods of connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they are connecting when it's a pseudo connection, right? There is something so important about being able to see someone's face, being able to hear their voice, being able to engage with them within a physical environment Mm -hmm. that makes our connection so much stronger. Mm -hmm. And so we have these people where it's like, I'm connecting. I've got over a thousand friends. Mm -hmm. Okay. How many of them do you actually know in person? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, Five. Okay, how often do you actually see these people in person? Mm-hmm. Not really that often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you're depressed. Mm-hmm. You don't have this connection that is so ingrained within us and is so important. I mean, I went to a men's retreat this last October and I met some people that I've never met in person. I've only known them through a virtual space. Mm. And our relationship just flourished within this environment where we could give each other affirming hugs and support each other and talk and engage and play and have fun Mm -hmm. outside of a virtual sphere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so addressing the feelings of why do I keep turning to this technology? 
because it keeps it, it allows for me to connect with people. Okay, but when you're done with the technology, do you actually feel like you're still connected, uh-huh. or do you f- still feel empty and lonely? Uh-huh. And if you're still feeling that loneliness after quote connecting, uh-huh. oh, then maybe it's not the connection that you need. Uh-huh. And the connection through technology is so easy. Uh-huh. That's really the tricky part about it. It is so easy for us to connect with people yeah. when we're only using text. Yeah. Because you can craft the message exactly how you need. You can take all the time in the world to come up with exactly how you want to word this so that you sound a certain way. Uh-huh. But like you and me right now, I can see your face. You can see mine. I have to respond on the spot to your questions. Right. And I can't just take the time and be like, oh, I'll, I'll get to that tomorrow mm-hmm. when I'm having a better day, hopefully. And then I can, you know, say exactly what I want them to perceive. Yeah. It's vulnerable. Yeah. It's harder. And yet it's so worth it if you actually do get that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, friends, David and I are pleased to welcome to the podcast a new sponsor, Soberlink. And we're positive that you're going to love this tool for managing your alcohol recovery. In early sobriety, we often focus on what we're losing instead of what we're gaining. Soberlink, you're gaining increased accountability, a deterrent against drinking, and a tool to help you stay connected with people who care. Uh, Here's what it is. It's a really high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition. It allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones. In case there's ever a slip, your treatment professional or anyone else you've chosen to be in your recovery circle will know immediately. Uh, More important than the technology is the brand. It is part of Soberlink's mission to break the stigma that surrounds addiction, which is why they partner with Positive Sobriety Podcast and many others in the recovery community. It's also why they specifically focus on using alcohol monitoring as a recovery tool, not for criminal or recreational purposes. There there isn't anything like it on the market. Well, together we've developed a guide called Tips for Keeping a Positive Outlook on Sobriety. And you can download it at www.soberlink.com slash PSP. That PSP is for Positive Sobriety Podcast. On that page, you'll also find a form to request $50 off your purchase when you're ready to try Soberlink. Well, here's a here's a dilemma I have, um, and I've learned uh, as as I've had clients in this situation uh, a little bit more of what to say, what not to say, how to say it, um, it's so that I can find out what I'm what I'm after. Because here's the deal: I'll tell people they need to connect with other individuals. You know, they need to have connection. They need they need to feel a part of of others, um, and and they'll agree with me, you know, absolutely. And, and, and so I've had, and then I've had clients say, well, I, I have that. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So tell me about it. Well, I've got, 
I've got friends, you know, that I game with and I'm like, okay, super. Do you, uh, do you guys get together and, and game at somebody's house or how do you do? Oh no. I mean, we're all online. We're all individuals. I've never actually met them. You know, one of them might be a 12 year old kid in, you know, Peoria, Illinois, and another might be a 40 year old guy in, you know, Nebraska someplace. But these are all guys we get together at certain times and we play this game and, and they are friends. They ask me how I'm doing. They ask, you know, and um, so I got in this conversation with one of my one of my clients and said, um, because he was telling me he has this 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 game group, you know, and 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 so come to find out it's really a virtual group. And he he shows up and, and he's not his name. He's a character name. Um, you know, he's not even really in, in, in the experience itself, him, himself. So, um, so I mean, I'm, I know I'm kind of going a long way here, but the, the reality that I'm realizing for myself is that I've got to be very specific about when people tell me they have friends, that these are people that they engage in one-on-one face-to-face, uh, some kind of interaction, you know? Um, that they're not just, um, character names out there in the, you know, the internet universe somewhere. And, um, so I guess, are, are, are you, um, are you finding that people somehow equate these gaming connections with real, real friendships with authentic relationships? Absolutely. And that's one of the tricky things about, technology and especially gaming today Mm -hmm. is you can be anyone you want to be online. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a great example of this is, well, and that's not just um, gaming. That's, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's social media. It's it's social media. The whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I have this client that, uh, one of the things that we've been working on is Instagram and Twitter are two of the things that he really struggles with. Mm. And one of the things that he does is he learned from a young age that he's he's not your typical white individual. Mm-hmm. And he has a cousin who's from like the UK that came over to visit one time and was getting a lot of attention from like the the girls around him. And so he would actually use his cousin's picture to go online and pretend to be someone he's not in order to receive that same validation and affirmation. Sure. And you may feel that you're actually getting what you're wanting in that moment, mm-hmm. but it's going to a mask. It's not going to you. Mm-hmm. And so I have some people that I know online, they only know me as Crimson mm-hmm. because I, my wife and I started a YouTube channel and I created this online alias where I'm Crimson Plush. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm trying to merge Marcus and Crimson to be the same person so people know, hey, you know, yeah, this is just a persona. This is an alias, mm-hmm. but it's still just me. Yeah. And some of these people, they still refer to me as Crimson. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that, that's how they know me. That's fine. But I also have some really good friends that truly know me for who I am. Uh-huh. But when we can be whoever we want to be online, we can put on any mask. Uh-huh. We can be 
we can have any kind of facade, we can any be any kind of personality, mm-hmm. and that mask is going to receive the validation and the affirmation, and it doesn't get to us. Yeah. And so we feel, yes, we feel they're saying these nice things about me, but deep down we have this thing of, well, if they only knew. Mm-hmm. If they only knew that, oh, this isn't me. Mm-hmm. You know, gosh, you can you can use technology to change your voice to be whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. And so you can impersonate anyone. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> it's a really tricky place to be where we feel that this is what we want. Mm-hmm. And it, again, at the end of the day, when you're done, do you still feel that same loneliness? Yeah. Yeah. If the affirmation didn't get to you, then we're doing something wrong. Yeah. And on top of that, it's great. I have friends that I play games online with. Mm-hmm. I have some people that I really only interact through um, online uh, features and networks. Mm-hmm. Yet, especially when you're doing something that's like a community driven thing, like playing a multiplayer game online, mm-hmm. you're connecting with people. Yeah, they're asking how your day is going, but you're also doing it with the distraction of trying to accomplish this quest, of being shot at, of mm-hmm. trying to, you know, move from one objective to another to another. Yeah. And the main bulk of the conversation is going to be around what's our next goal. Yeah. It's achievement oriented. It's not personal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we said earlier, um, and, and you're, I think speaking to this in, in that you, you do now feel like you can have a managed relationship with games and technology and all that. And, and like we said earlier, we live in a culture where we are going to have to engage you know, uh, in, in ways and, and it's, and it's constantly in front of us all the time. And so I'm, I'm hearing you saying it's not that, you know, we're going to get people to, for instance, with a substance use disorder, there's not any room for casual use of that substance Mm -hmm. beyond addiction. There's really, you know, the statistics aren't good that you're going to have a successful relationship with alcohol if you've had a problematic relationship with alcohol. Um, but, um, with respect to this, I mean, when people first come to you, Marcus, what do you initially do? Do you have a a period of abstinence from, uh, technology and, uh, gaming and so forth before people get back into some of their stuff and what kind of, tell me what, you know, if I'm the 35 year old guy that comes to you and says, you know, um, I, we've got two kids and my wife says I spend way too much time in front of the computer and she really doesn't know half of the time I spend in front of the computer because the other half I, I'm at work and I'm really not doing setting the world on fire there either because I'm in, engaged in some habits. What's the, what's the go-to for you when somebody comes in initially like that? If someone came in like that, my go-to, I mean, honestly, we can't get away from technology. Right. But what we can do is we can limit 
how often we use it with our free time. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the big problem. We can't get away from utilizing technology for work. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't have any clients that I meet in person. We're all meeting through Zoom online. Okay. So if I had a client where it's like, yeah, I'm spending too much time on the computer. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, with some of the off time, if you're using technology, it's going to be utilized for us having our weekly call. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, Step away from it. Uh-huh. Recognize that you don't need to engage with the social medias, with the games, with work. I mean, how many people can't turn off work when they get home because they're constantly getting emails, they're getting text messages, they're getting phone calls. Hey, you can turn all of that stuff off. Uh-huh. And, you know, I actually have a worksheet just or a handout on things that can be helpful in order to disengage from technology. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we don't even go into these settings in order to utilize these so that we can have more of a clear evening when we're out of work. Mm -hmm. You know, if your wife is saying you're spending too much time on the computer, you're not engaging with the kids. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, I mean, (laughs) I've had some people where their wives take the power cord from their gaming consoles or from their computer Mm -hmm. and they hide it someplace. Yeah. And it's like you can if you want to play or if you want to get on the computer, then it's going to be in a time that we agree upon. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, you know, we need you to be present here. Mm -hmm. And this is a really challenging thing because, again, we're using the technology Uh in order to run away from our current experience, what we're currently feeling. Uh And so this is where they're going to need some extra support. They're going to need some extra grace Uh because without it, then they could just turn to something else. Uh They could, Hey, you know what? I'm spending more time with the kids. Oh, but I keep blowing up at them because they keep driving me crazy. Uh And Oh, well, why is that happening? Oh, because, you know, my boss was just really getting on my case when I was at work and I just got upset. And usually I would come home and I would lose myself on Call of Duty for three hours. Mm-hmm. In the evening. Yeah. Oh, well, then you're using it as a distraction and we need to get comfortable with our feelings mm-hmm. and not run away from them. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes that's a lot of the work that I do initially. Mm-hmm is just get them to become comfortable with their uncomfortable feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because so long as they're not, mm-hmm. they will turn to something else. Yeah. What about um, establishing different habits and things like that? You know, creating a different structure in their day, um, activity that they uh, go out and engage in that's actually physical, that requires, you know, uh, movement and uh, breathing air, <laughs> um, you know, things like that, uh, connection with real live breathing people. Um, you know, how, how important are those things? You mean actually getting outside of your house for a change? <laughs> actually moving wow. out. Yeah. Now that what a novel idea. <laughs> COVID is not quite the, uh, you know, the governing, uh, entity of all things. Now we can actually go outside um, yeah, uh, actually encountering breathing human beings. And that's something that is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Like for myself, 
you know, if this was on video, people could see I've got like gaming paraphernalia behind me. Yeah. I, I still enjoy my video games. I play video games like almost every single evening. Uh-huh. Yet I also still have moments where I'm still getting outside. I'm doing some work on the house. I'm going for walks. I have friends that I get together with every other weekend and we sit down and we play tabletop games. Uh-huh. And we're doing that for like sometimes almost five hours uh-huh. and we're laughing. We're sharing food. Oh my gosh. The fellowship that you can have when you're actually sharing a meal with someone. Right. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it really helps us to feel this level of connection that we often are missing from the online ways of connecting. Uh-huh. So it's so important to get out, you know, take your dog for a walk, go on a walk with your wife and your kids. Uh-huh. Um, even just go for a drive. Uh-huh. My wife loves to just go for a drive. Uh-huh. And if she's experiencing some anxiety or something like that, she'll just be like, I, I just want to go for a drive and we will go drive for like a half hour, enjoy the fresh air and we'll talk maybe even get like a coffee or something like that. Yeah. And just all, all of these things that, Oh, you know what? These are also healthy ways of getting those exact same needs met that we're trying to meet through the technology uh-huh. through games, social media, things of that nature. Uh-huh. And we can get it in healthy doses. And when we're done, we feel good afterwards. Yeah. Have you had people, Marcus, that have said, okay, I've limited my technology. I've limited my time for now that I game. Um, the uh, the way that I'm I'm using all this extra time uh, that I have now is showing me that I don't really like my life very much. <laughs> in fact, I think there are aspects of my personal life that kind of suck if I'm not in immersed in something. I'm I'm realizing that I am lonely. Maybe I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. And maybe I am not engaging in anything that would ever uh, put me in the situation where I will uh, find someone uh, to share life with, if that's important to me, which I think it is to most of us. And, um, you know, are, are you finding that people, when they take the, the step away from technology for a bit, that they are having these moments of clarity about, you know, maybe I remember now why I game uh, or why I'm so immersed in social media, because the reality of this is kind of really pretty, pretty dismal. Yeah. And that's even something that I've had to come to terms with just in my own life as well. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about that is we often do I mean, we're, we're turning to these to run away from something. Uh-huh. And it could be that the job that I have is just absolutely unfulfilling. Uh-huh. Or, you know, I'm lonely because I don't have a significant relationship. Uh-huh. Well, okay, then what can we change about it? We tend to focus so much on the negatives of our life that we discredit the positives uh-huh. that are taking place. Uh-huh. <clears throat> You know, I'm saying this from personal experience. Yeah. My therapist is helping me with this kind of <laughs> stuff too. Uh, but one of the aspects about this is 
if you are in a job that is so life draining, mm-hmm. well, okay, it might be time to honestly think of, is this where I want to be? Right. Is there something else that's going to bring life? Mm-hmm. I don't have a significant relationship. Okay. Well, how are you interacting with people in order to find someone significant? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Maybe you need to get a pet. Mm. Maybe you need to get like a cat or a dog or you know, someone or something that's going to get you out of the monotony of whatever you're in mm-hmm. and this false sense of achievement that you're getting from gaming or from comparing on social media, things of that nature. And we have, we've taken the creative aspects and control out of our lives and we just kind of let life happen to us. Right, right. I mean, I... One of my aspirations is to become a published author. Mm-hmm. I love to write. I've been working on the same story for almost 20 years now. Wow. Because I just keep putting it down and I keep thinking I'm not going to be able to do this. And I distract myself with technology mm-hmm. or something else, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, oh, well, a lot of this activity, especially the porn use and then the compulsive gaming took away my creative energies and I was investing it into something else. Mm-hmm. Well, I can take control of that again and start using my creative energies towards something that's more constructive and more life-giving. And my life hasn't been the same since. Mm-hmm. It's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the positive, uh, the positive note on that. I mean, there is really life beyond, uh, this virtual place we like to immerse ourselves, where, regardless of where that is or or how it shows up, there's there's a, a whole world out there to be um, to be taken on if we you know will just avail ourselves to it. So so Marcus, how can people reach you? I know we're coming up to the end of our time. Um, you said most everything you're doing right now is Zoom, and so that means anybody in the whole free world that's listening to us can access you uh, from somewhere. So how can people get in touch with you to take advantage of what you're doing? Yeah. So the easiest ways to get in touch with me is uh, just drop me an email. My email is marcus.spar. That's S-P-A-U-R at Mm -hmm. gmail.com. And uh, also check out my website, uh, betweenthecoverscoaching.com. Okay. I, um, you know, I've had people kind of be like, okay, really between the covers, that's, that's what you're going to name your business. And what I do is a lot of story work. Mm. I get into the story of people's past to figure out how it's impacting their present. Mm-hmm. And so I, I consider myself a professional storyteller. Mm-hmm. So if it's something you're interested in uh, connecting about, yeah, let's see what your story is telling you and how we can in turn begin to make you the hero of your own story instead of just the passerby where the story's happening. Mm, yeah. So between the covers is the covers of a book, not between the sheets. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Though some people might come to it thinking it's between the sheets and it's like, oh, wait, no, this isn't what I was expecting. Uh-huh, yeah. But I, I really wanted to go with that. So yeah, yeah. it's between the covers coaching.com. Well, I think it's an attention grabber for sure. So you know, as long as you can make sure people know you're, uh, you know, you're a, a therapist in one 
regard and not a sex therapist or something. Nothing wrong with sex therapy either, but you just want to make that distinction to help adjust expectations, I would imagine. Well, and on the homepage, there is a blurb on there that's talking about, so what about trauma? Wait, trauma in the bedroom? What's he talking about? (laughs) Oh, no, that's not what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, man, this is uh, really good stuff. And I appreciate you being on today and just sharing with us what you're doing, but also uh, just ways that people can think differently about their relationship to something that we are all going to have to make peace with. Uh, in some, yeah. some respect, you know, um, we, we are a culture that, you know, we depend on our technology and it's not in and of itself a bad thing, but, uh, we can find ourselves certainly like anything else, using it to escape what we don't want to feel or experience or face in our own reality. So Marcus, exactly. Spar, thank you so much for being a guest here today with us. And, um, Listeners, uh, take advantage of uh, Marcus's website or his his email address. Get in touch with him and and uh, see if you can explore how to possibly maybe break some of this uh, this dependency. Yeah. So, and if you are struggling with dependency on technology, I created a handout that you can just get for free on my website. Ah, so if you go to if you go to betweenthecoverscoaching.com, there is a link to free resources. And I'm hoping to add some more stuff on there um, over the coming months and years, but I've got one up there and it's got some very practical and tangible ways to start taking control of technology so it doesn't have control over you. Yeah, great. Well, listeners, take advantage of it. Go take a look. It's free. It's not going to cost you anything but a little bit of time. So, um, Marcus, thank you again for being with us. And listeners, we will be right back on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And um, Nate, I enjoyed that conversation um, with Marcus a lot. Uh, and, and he's got great uh, insights and points on technology. I have, uh, in the last six months, picked up three clients uh, between the ages of 19 and 23 that have really similar stories with respect to technology and the kind of the uh, obsession, the compulsion yeah. uh, that it has become. And But here's an interesting thing. I love... I, I love my job because I get to work with a lot of people that are smarter than me and I get to learn, (laughs) you know, from them. And, uh, I've, uh, I have the opportunity to work with psychiatric, uh, professionals, nurse, nurse practitioners and psychiatrists. And, um, and so what we discovered with these clients was actually, you know, everybody was concerned because the technology, you know, quote, technology addiction was presenting, you know, they, they don't leave, they, they, uh, they don't leave their room. They only game and they stay up till the wee hours of the morning. They don't get yeah. up until noon because they've been up all night. And there's all this concern, you know, lots of understandable concern, but right. um, it's all focused on the behavior. Right. And so right. Um, what we discovered, though, is that they actually are suffering from depression. Uh... And the psychiatrists uh, have put them on antidepressants. And um, they've started implementing structure, activity, and connection as part of their uh, daily practice along, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, now that they've got the bandwidth uh, away from 
uh, technology and their and their antidepressants are starting to work. And as the depression has minimized, the behavior has diminished. Yeah. And so as they become more able to get out and engage in some of these other things, the the desire to stay on technology uh, you know, for extended periods of time has really diminished. And so, you know, the thing is, it's sort of like a food, um, issue, uh, you know, uh, an addiction with or obsession with food, you know, we've, we, we're not going to not eat. Right. Right. And, sure. and right. we've yeah. got to right. learn to make friends with technology because this is going to be part of our lives. Yes. But I think one of the takeaways, you know, that I'd love for our listeners to think about as they think about themselves or their loved ones relationship to technology um, examine the possibility that, you know, you might need a, a mental health professional to step in with you to explore the possibility of depression. Um, because the technology, you know, was, was used to medicate the depression. Yeah, it was the yeah. byproduct. I know it's sort of a chicken and egg because a lot of people get addicted to technology and they get really depressed, but, right, right. um, but this is something that I think is really worth exploring, uh, with okay. people. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, David, I got an awful lot to think about this week. Yeah. And you're going to pile on and give me more to think about next week, aren't you? Uh, we, we are. We, yeah. <laughs> we've got, we've yet, yet again, we've got another uh, great guest. So, yeah. Well, uh, hey, listeners, uh, before you sign off, a uh, couple of things. First of all, if you found, found uh, this episode or any of our other episodes helpful, uh, go ahead to wherever it is that you accessed our podcast, and please uh, give us a give us a review, give us a star. That helps drive us up in the rankings so that more people can find the show. Also, if you have suggestions or feedback or pushback of any kind, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us at positive sobriety podcast at gmail dot com. Well, that's it for this week. Until next time. I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 